Welcome to episode three of Therapize Podcast, my five keys to effective communication. So this week we have Valentine's Day coming up, so I thought what better than focus on than a quick appetizer on my five keys to effective communication. So this being an appetizer and introductory episode like my episodes this far, hopefully it's just to grab some of your attention and keep you interested in this podcast because what we have planned later on in a few months is to take my five keys and break it into a five-part mini-series where each key is broken down and provided examples a little bit more thoroughly. Like I said, this is only episode three, so I'm really just getting out some some kind of my, my key ideas to get people interested in this podcast still uh, before we start diving a little bit more deeper into content. So what we'll look at in a, in a few months is, like I said, is breaking down each one of my keys and looking at more of the nuances with the barriers to, to utilizing these keys and how these keys can be applied to whether it's um, interacting with coworkers, coworkers, colleagues, friends, siblings, close relationships, romantic relationships, whomever. So what I want you to think about as you're going through this too is where have you run into the most problematic conflicts in your life? And in your closest relationships, when conflict arises, how have you approached them? What sort of things maybe you've done that have helped improve the scenario or the relationship? And what are some things that maybe you've done that have made the conflict worse or haven't actually helped the conflict and kind of maybe stalled the growth of the relationship? So I'm huge, huge, huge on on increasing communication skills when in my work and also just within myself and in my interpersonal life because I do believe this is the way we we overcome conflict is through our use of communication and language and we can grow and really develop more meaningful relationships through the use of our language. With that being said, think about who whom in your life you'd like to improve a relationship with. What are the common barriers to improving that relationship? And remember that when I'm talking about these keys, I'm really talking about people in your life that maybe you've identified having conflict with or some some distress in that relationship and that it's worth it to you to work on improving it. Because not all relationships that come in in our life, we're going to want to or need to add more energy to it. Therefore, think about where in your life you've had maybe consistent conflicts and where you'd like to get better. And a big part of this episode really is to to get you thinking about yourself. How are you interacting with those around you? Where are conflicts arising? How are you resolving those conflicts? And how are you taking ownership of your experience, of your of your part in any of the relationships you are you are in or any of the conflicts you are involved in. And lastly, thinking, how do we get out of the me versus you and in times of conflict of thinking of it as a battle where it's one person's wrong, one person's right, versus just looking at the whole thing as as differences. And differences aren't necessarily a bad thing and differences don't necessarily suggest there's a winner or loser in this argument or debate or conflict, but that there can be a more creative solution to better understanding on both sides and to better communication ultimately on both sides. Okay, without further ado, let's get to episode three, my five keys to effective communication.
welcome to part one of episode three on my five keys to effective communication. In this part one, we're just going to go over some of the basic barriers to effective communication. We're not going to get into specific examples. It's more so to have you sit and reflect upon which of these maybe you're doing more most regularly, uh, which of these barriers you're coming across in your relationships that you're coming across during times of conflict. And then this is kind of a setup, like I said, an appetizer episode for our future mini-series, uh, breaking down each one of my keys and actually applying it to um, how I'd use it in treatment and some tools to over to overcome some of these barriers, specifically using these keys. Okay, number one, not necessarily number one, but one of the number one things that I'm often seeing in families or couples or anyone that's experiencing any relational distress or conflict is a lack of vulnerability. So this is going to be kind of an umbrella term or theme. If you think of not being vulnerable, the opposite is that finding way to protect yourself, right? with that defensiveness. So if someone's trying to talk to you about something, something they they experience with you, whether it's a, a romantic partner and they're trying to open up to you and then you're defending yourself and you're not really hearing them, you can imagine how that can turn into a lack of communication and understanding and further increase the conflict. So vulnerability being, being kind of the umbrella and part of that is then having defensive behaviors in, in times of communication. Um, also, part of being vulnerable or, or lack thereof is this idea of emotional dysregulation. Essentially, going back and forth between kind of the fight or flight response, having the stress response kind of dictate how we interact with one another. So you can imagine if we're not regulated, emotionally regulated, where they're maybe avoiding conflicts until they get too big or we're approaching them when we're a little heightened when our stress is a little maybe too intense our stress response is a little too intense and that's maybe where we're getting into trouble or conflicts because we're not really hearing the person we're more in kind of attack and defend mode and we're, so if we're not regulated, remember that that part of our brain for decision-making, judgment, that prefrontal cortex, its capacity is starting to diminish. If you're in the middle of a conflict with a, a loved one or anyone and in an interaction, both parties are fired up, it, we know it, it's not really going to be that effective. And why is that? Well, because our ability to think clearly if one of our stress responses going off is isn't really there okay like I said we're more in a attack and defend mode thus not really being in the place to sit and understand one each other so that's the next one actually that I wanted to bring up is misunderstandings when I'm working with a family couple whomever a big part of it is that one person or really both or everyone that's sitting at the table doing the family session is not really understanding the other person's perspective, their their experience, 
there's kind of a lack of empathizing and, and sitting and putting oneself in the other shoes because the conflict has kind of led to a wedge where both parties are kind of thinking, well, it's your, you know, you're the problem. It, and, and we're kind of egocentric in that moment. We're only thinking about ourselves, how we were hurt in this, how we're not being heard. Thus leading to a misunderstanding. If I'm, if I'm so focused on, on myself and my, my, my pain, it's going to be hard to sit there and listen to my, my partners or families, etc. That's the kind of common experience in trying to help families, couples, and people increase their communication skills and be more effective. Tied to misunderstanding is that people don't have, aren't, don't actually have the skills of being able to actively listen, sit and reflect what they heard, validate what they heard from their partner. So instead of validating, sometimes what it looks like is dismissing. If someone comes to the the session and they they work up the courage to express themselves vulnerably and what they what they felt hurt by in the relationship and then their partner has a response as well that's just not true or a child tells the parents something similar expressing some hurt or some difficulties and they're oh that's not true or you're overreacting and the response is to dismiss or minimize the person's experience. Well, you can imagine how that other person's going to feel. Lack of trust, a lack of connectedness, that they're not going to be able to get their needs met through through this relationship in that, in that matter. And maybe they feel like that person doesn't really care because they're not sitting and, and really taking in and taking the time to understand what the person's trying to express. Connected to that is the the idea of reciprocity as well. I've kind of already mentioned this, but families or couples will get into this, like I said, the me, the kind of me versus you, in the in the conflict. Instead of, hey, if I if I'm sitting here and need need you to hear me out, well, I also need to hear you out as well. It can't just be about me. This is a two-way street communication takes more than one person and it's incredibly complex so we need that reciprocity uh, amongst each other to develop the skills and strengthen the relationship okay so all of all of these things and and communication like i said is incredibly complex and nuanced so this is just our appetizer episode at this point, think about what barriers you're getting into. Are, are you just lacking the skills? Are you, are, are you lacking the language to be able to find find ways to actually express yourself? Are you getting to these conflicts when, when you're fired up, when your stress response, when that internal alarm system is going off? Are you feeling misunderstood that the other person is not really sitting there and you're feeling dismissed? Are you doing that back to this other person that maybe you're having conflicts with? Are you able to be vulnerable? And when you are, is it received well? Or is it shut down? To work on these skills during either family sessions or work with couples or even with children, we, we have to establish a space for trust and safety. Now, if you're working on this at home, 
if you're trying to improve your relationship and your communication skills, trust for one, we start to develop when we notice a sense of predictability and consistency. So if something's happening consistency and we can start to predict it, we can start to trust that that behavioral pattern will continue kind of naturally. Now the idea of safety, however, and we need that sense of safety to start becoming vulnerable. And a lot of those barriers that I already mentioned are kind of ways to protect ourselves, which is lack of vulnerability. Well, only you know what you need to feel safe. And that generally needs to be expressed as clearly as possible to establish the, the room for an effective conversation to happen if you're going to address something that's kind of conflictual or maybe something that's been a perpetual problem in your life with a, a partner or with a family member. And maybe that's after a conflict has arisen to take a certain amount of time before the problem is actually then discussed. Sometimes people might take that as that the other person's rejecting them and they don't care, but in actuality, what they're trying to do is self-regulate before they actually talk about it. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to take some space and then come back to something, but sometimes in the moment, one person feels threatened when that happens. Therefore, in that sense, both parties are trying to, would need to express what they need to feel safe. Well, one person needs to take some space first. The other person, they might need something else. Anyways, that at this point, it's up to you to reflect on when do you feel more most comfortable. What do you need to to start to open up and and access your own vulnerability and not communicate in due to our stress or in response to a stress response when we're really upset or find ways to lower our defenses, be more curious and, and attempt to understand the other person's perspective and, and get out of this me versus you kind of conflict that it's this battle that one of us is right and it's, it's about my experience and my pain but also going I have a part in this as well and yeah take some time reflect upon that what are some common conflicts you've gotten into and how has communication or the lack of certain skills maybe intensified that conflict or kind of kept that conflict continuing over time Okay, so we'll take a quick break, take some time to reflect, and when we come back, we'll go over my five keys to effective communication. All right, welcome back. As we go through my five keys to effective communication, you'll kind of notice that a lot of them are interrelated in some parts. Essentially, what I've tried to do is, as, I, as I've noticed these barriers come up over the years, I try to come up with certain catchphrases or ways for people to kind of recognize and attach to, to like I said, a phrase that they can apply to their life that'll, that'll kind of help them remember, oh yes, this will help me get out of being defensive or putting problems on the other person, etc. 
So let's get right into it. And we're, we're going to start with key number one. And this is really just kind of basic, the basic skill set of having the language and that having the correct tone and language or the effective tone and language rather of being assertive. And before we talk too much about assertive language, because we're going to break that down in future episodes, the other types really are we have passive communication, passive aggressive, and then aggressive. So anything with an aggressive, whether it's passive aggressive or aggressive, remember there's some sort of defense and attack in there. So maybe some sort of blaming or some sort of intensified energy that's that parties are getting into the stress response so the the energy in the room is becoming aggressive or the conversation is feeling aggressive now passive remember is unclear right you're not really addressing there's more avoidance more on the the flight spectrum aggressive more in the fight spectrum if you think of it in terms like that so sort of is really being able to address this conflict calmly and that may calm may look different depending on how your normal interaction styles are, that it's clear. So your, your content is clear. It's understandable. It It's not convoluted or kind of mixed up that you have a really clear message. And this is kind of where we get into the idea of I messages. So if, you have, if you've never used those, basically it's keeping your experience to yourself of I felt this way when you didn't do this or when you did this versus going you made me mad and putting it on the person and really owning it so being very clear about what your experience was part of this that i also include when i'm I'm teaching this during sessions is the idea of confidence as well so if you have the confidence to approach this the the implicit message in that is that you're self-regulated and that you're not coming at this in a reactionary style that you you have a thought, thoughtful response and a measured response to a conflict versus getting intense and and reacting from that stress response. All right, so number 2 in this kind of ties into vulnerability is the idea of being honest. And this kind of has to do with boundary setting, but also digging a little deeper and thinking about how and why we actually reacted, maybe reacted a certain way or or talked talked a certain way, said a certain thing. So in terms of, we'll start with the boundary setting part of it. Well, actually, in terms of being honest, I don't just mean telling the truth. Quick example, including boundary setting. Someone you may know may come up and ask you something that you actually don't want to talk about. Now, if you if you're thinking oh well being honest would be telling that person the truth of what happened well if you don't really feel like telling them what happened if you're not comfortable with that the most honest response would actually be to say i'm actually not comfortable with talking about that or if if it's in terms of times of a conflict the most honest response would really be to state that i'm not ready to address this right now i need to i need to calm myself and collect my thoughts before responding so that's the more honest response or that may be I mean it depends on what your actual internal experience is now also being honest with how you've communicated in the world or how maybe you responded to something so think of it this way in public once we're surrounded by more and more people the context starts to change it gets a little bit more complex now when I've worked with certain families and and then I'm there observing how they interact with it in their home or their community 
what may happen is that they may have a certain response to their child, child's behavior. They may, they may start to feel the stress response. They may start to feel the pressure of either me being there or other eyes watching them. And then they, they may react to their child by maybe yelling at their child or maybe some shaming. Now, what I would have to do with them is start to dig in, dig with that parent of why they did that. Now, initially, they may just say the surface level because my child was acting out. But as we dig, the most the most honest response they have with themselves was that they were feeling pressure to do something, so they reacted by yelling, doing these things. Now that's the being honest. Okay, so some of this is the emotional awareness to understand what we can take, what we're willing to take on in, a, in, a, in an interaction, and also how and why we interact it with someone, whether it's, it's our child, our partner, and that interaction didn't go well. That interaction maybe perpetuated or increased the actual conflict. So being honest, number two. Number three, own it. Okay, now this is broad. Essentially, this is taking personal responsibility for your experience. This is taking responsibility for your actions, your part in the conflict, your part in in interacting or communicating or lack thereof if you're if you're under communicating. Taking responsibility and really owning your values, not making your values someone else's. Owning your expectations. I think this is where I see a lot of conflicts start to happen in couples and families is that, like I said in the past episodes, we have a blueprint in our mind about how we want to run and operate our lives and how we think, how we categorize the way life, in quotes, should be sort of lived. And these expectations, a lot of them maybe we haven't even really thought about and kind of said out loud or really made explicit to people around us. And then we start to assume that other people hold these expectations as well. And then when they don't, there's conflict. Now, this could be expectations of how you want to run your household, how you want to raise your children, how you want to, how you want to experience your relationship, your romantic relationship. What are the expectations each other have? One person would say, well, I expect you to do these things. And the other person would say, well, I don't expect to do those things. I expect you to do these things. And for one, I, we got to start with actually explicitly stating them, getting them out in the open. But for two, also understanding that differences in expectations aren't necessarily a bad thing. This is what lends us the opportunity to understand and compromise and be flexible. If we're rigid and think that our way has to always be the way, we're often going to run into conflicts in, in relation with other people because there's always going to be other differences out there. Owning your feelings. If you have a certain if you have a certain feeling or emotional reaction to something, it doesn't need to be someone else's as well. It's yours. If you're really upset with something and someone doesn't share the same reaction that you care about, sometimes that person would get upset and go, Well, why why aren't you why aren't you mad? Well, it, they don't necessarily have to be mad. Now Now this person's attaching a meaning on why their partner isn't mad as well or why their their friend isn't mad with them. 
Well, everyone has their own emotional reaction to things. And just because we have different ones, it doesn't mean that other person is wrong. And it doesn't mean that other person doesn't care about you. And this is where you have to own your own feelings. If it, if something happened to you and you're upset, you're upset. It doesn't mean everyone else has to be upset as well. People can empathize and understand why you are upset, but they don't also need to take on your same emotional energy. That's That's for you to take on and process. So owning it. Also tapping into this emotional awareness. All right, let's move to number four. This is one of my favorites. Assuming ignorance over intent. Now, where I see this most is in romantic relationships and then also in parent-child interactions. So in romantic relationships, what it broadly will look like, and you can kind of reflect and think about how may this th this may apply to your relationship if you're in one currently or maybe past relationships is a conflict arises because one person is assuming that the other person did something intentionally now whether that's to inconvenience them or to sp spite them right these are the assumptions that are running but they're they're attaching a certain intent or meaning to that person's behavior or lack thereof versus Assuming ignorance, which would mean, let me not, let me be more curious about what this, this, my partner is doing or what my, what my child is doing rather than attaching a meaning to it. Now think of a time that maybe you got in a conflict and there was something your partner did or didn't do. And then you attached a certain meaning to it. You assumed, you assumed some meaning or intention behind their behavior or lack thereof. And then you a lot of times this goes to, well, that you don't care about me or you don't respect me. And, and you start to go down this rabbit hole of emotions before we ever even really explored why that person did what they did or didn't do. And usually it's just a it's just a misunderstanding. Usually the other person, and this is why I say assume ignorance, just doesn't know how their behavior was impacting the other person. Or they didn't know that the person wanted or needed something else. And that's a big part as we get into further episodes about wants and needs in relationships and how they're not generally expressed clearly and they're kind of just assumed. So this idea of assuming ignorance over intent, okay? And then, like I said, in the parent-child interaction, sometimes what it'll look like is that the parent will start to assume that the, the child is acting out just to be just to be mean or just to be a jerk or to be disrespectful, and then they kind of start to to label the child as such when in actuality the child is generally trying using their behavior to express what they're feeling inside children don't have children are still learning language and they don't always have the ability to express what's going on the way adults can or may be able to do thus behavior as being a big part of how they're communicating outwardly so just because they're they're acting out. It doesn't mean necessarily that they're doing it intentionally just to be mean. Maybe they're they're having some internal distress or they're having some internal anxiety, depression, or whatever, and this is how they are externally presenting it. Okay, so think about that. Think about how, how past conflicts have kind of maybe come up when we're having running off some assumptions. And remember from episode two on, on helpful thoughts, that was one of the the big um, unhelpful thought patterns is running on assumptions. All right, last but not least, as we do this on Valentine's Day, nothing in life is personal except for love. 
I know sounds a little cheesy, but where I see a lot of people running into conflicts as well is that starting to personalize other people's behavior. So what I mean by that is if if someone's shouting at me or being really mean to me, it's if I were to personalize that, I take that as a personal attack and that it has some meaning behind it and now I'm upset versus taking a step back and realizing kind of what I was just saying about this, not having a initial reaction to someone's behavior. It's just step back and say, okay, this behavior is about what this person's going through. This behavior is about what my child is going through. It's not necessarily about me. It's not that they disrespect me. They're going through some difficulty. This is about them. Similar in a romantic relationship with a partner. If, if the partner has gone through a stressful day and you don't know about it, but then they come home or you have some sort of interaction and they're being short with you and the, the, the tone is off and maybe feels disrespectful. And then you, your stress, your defense start to go off. And then now you're in this, this maybe bickering conflict. And here we go again, right? Versus taking a step back and maybe acknowledging what they're, what they're presenting because they might not even know in the moment that they're acting differently and go, okay, this isn't about me. We're just interacting for the first time today. seems like something else is bothering you. And then you could also set up that boundary of if your partner, if your child is acting in such a manner that you can come back when they're ready to have a more assertive conversation, a more emotionally regulated conversation. Because as we all know, once our defense mechanisms go up, then we get into this you versus me, and then that's when we're taking things personal, and and it's going to be hard. It's going to be incredibly difficult to start understanding one another and developing and growing our relationships and using our communication skills once the walls start to go up. So with that, we are going to end the episode, and we'll have a... We'll come back for a quick conclusion, but thank you for listening to this. I I hope you reflect upon this, and I look forward to taking this episode and expanding it into a mini-series very shortly here. And happy Valentine's Day, and work on those communication skills. Alright, so thank you for listening to episode three, my five keys to effective communication. And remember, this was just an appetizer episode, really as most of my first three have been and might continue to be for a couple more episodes before we start getting a little bit more specific. So remember, for this episode in particular, um, in a few months down the road, what we're actually going to do is take each key and actually go through its own episode where, for example, we'll take assertiveness and kind of break that down more clearly in examples how, of how it would look in a family setting, how it would look with a partner, how it might look at work, etc. Same thing with owning it, you know, owning our own feelings when, when we're looking at situations where we're not owning our own feelings, actions, values, expectation. Um, being honest, right? Are we falling into traps where we're being reactive and going along with things that maybe we necessarily wouldn't? Are we setting up appropriate boundaries for ourselves so that we're able to respond from a 
emotionally regulated place? Are we assuming you know, negative intent in other people's interactions? Are we able to slow things down and actually explore with curiosity what people actually meant by what they said or what they did or what they did not do? And lastly, are we are we getting into these traps of taking things personally of, of other people's actions? Remember, the, the opposite end of owning it is kind of this t- not taking anything personally. So of our own actions of owning it, but the other end is also not owning other people's actions as our own or other people's feelings or things. Understanding that people behave the way they do, it's not necessarily a reflection of us. So think about these things between now and next time, or not just between now and next time, but between now and when we break down this into a five-part mini-series, uh, breaking down each each one of my key components to effective communication. And hopefully take some time to reflect upon past or current conflicts you've gone through with close within your close relationships and what has been, maybe identify what has been kind of a key component. Is it that you're not feeling the safety and trust that you can be vulnerable, that maybe you're feeling dismissed, or maybe you're the one doing some dismissing? Are you and your partner or in family kind of coming from a place of emotional reactivity where the energy gets too intense to actually have a productive conversation? Is there some defensiveness happening? Is there active listening going on? Are you actively listening and really hearing out your your partner or your family member, friend, etc.? And is there reciprocity happening? And is there an acknowledgement that misunderstandings are really easy and effective communication is really difficult. It takes a lot of time, practice, patience, and self-awareness. So think about these things and please remember to Please share this podcast, Therapize Podcast, with friends, families, coworkers, whomever. Go to my website. You can email me there through my website, or you can email directly at thetherapizepodcast at gmail.com. I want to know continuously how this how this podcast is going for the listeners and how I can continue to evolve and adapt it and make it a very coherent and easy to understand Um, form of psychoeducation and resource for people lastly a special shout out to brett chance he is my spouse's cousin and he is the producer of all of the original music that you've heard on this podcast thus far today our outro song is going to be peace and plenty and always our intro song is someone someone up there likes you um if you go on to if you're listening to this on apple or wherever your podcast is in the description, I will have a list of all the songs played per episode. Um, Remember to check out my website for additional resources. And please, please, please like this, write a review, share it, get it out there. Um, The more people that listen to to this, hopefully the more feedback I get, I can continue to evolve this and continue to be able to produce this as a a resource for, for anyone. So, all right. Thanks once again. Enjoy Peace and Plenty by Brett Chance. Thank you.